Hi, I'm Britton LaRue, and this is Moon to Moon. Moon to Moon is a space to consider, celebrate, and share the ways we come home to ourselves, anchor through change, and uncover our power. One month, one phase, one loving step at a time. Welcome back to Moon to Moon. It's been a month. Um, the last time I released an episode was at the beginning of Libra. Thanks to everyone who reached out about that episode. I really recorded a raw, personal episode in that one, weaving the archetypal collective energies into my personal storytelling, as I often do. And um, I I appreciate those who let me know that it really resonated and that it was helpful because why do this if it's not those things? (laughs) So, been living the astrology. How are you doing? How are you doing? Hmm, like, (laughs) how are you doing? Um, a lot of people have been going through a lot of churning. There is a lot of shedding that has been going on. It has been um, all the Libra season that I thought it was going to be. Not really anything particularly um, about Libra so much as the astrology that was unfolding around Libra, to Libra, from within Libra, making it a very charged and activating time super invitational for shedding and growth. I would love to sit down and listen to myself talk through all that I learned over Libra with the Mercury retrograde, with the Libra planets oppositions to Chiron and Aries, with the Libra planets squares to Pluto and Capricorn, with Mars, my chart ruler, um, meeting up with the sun and moving through a sign of its detriment. I don't have words quite yet. We're on the other side of the full moon and usually I do start to feel like some wisdom uh, collecting into language, but I sort of feel like I don't have English words for this yet. Um, Look at my throat clogging as I say that. (laughs) But my point is I want you to know that if you've been going through a lot and if you feel like old stuff, like childhood stuff, like stuff that you thought maybe wasn't alive for you anymore, if you felt like it came back to the surface and like, oh, but there it is, like ready to be seen again, you know, you're not alone. And um, it's just been an intense time. And 
it it consoles me, it soothes me. It's so nice to know that we're really all in this together and that we chose to live right now is how I feel about it. That we're um, a people, people living in this time who are up for like super fast pace regeneration, like faster than maybe normal growth because this just keeps coming in waves. We're all very tired, you know? We're all very tired of all of the spiritual growth. <laughs> but now and then you can look at yourself and look back and just recognize like all that you're doing to support yourself on, on your path, um, realizing how much you've grown over this time and um, like love on yourself, you know, like send yourself so much love. Fill yourself with the highest levels of self-compassion every single day. Laugh. Like, find humor in this human experience. Everything has the possibility of being funny, actually. And when I do that, I kind of land in my human body and just marvel at all that we go through all of it and it feels really empowering to laugh and give myself a break um i just feel like i'm landing in so much humanness do you feel this like so much humanness of just like relaxing these needs to have these high standards around perfection and this is what it's got to look like and why hold on to all the those rules and those um, expectations of outcomes and modes of performance that it's just like, mm, I'm kind of like too tired, right? Like, I'd just rather laugh about it. I guess you might say I'm coming into my crone self. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I really feel it. So, yeah, we've been really dancing in some deep Chiron and some deep Pluto. You know, Chiron lived in a cave. I've talked about Chiron elsewhere. And Pluto is the underworld. And so there's just been a lot of extraction work, reveals, um, things coming up from nowhere, ghosts, um, the past suddenly inserting itself in the present and it's like whoa um it's 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 um it's been almost hilariously funny the number of people from my past who have been showing up over mercury retrograde kind of like classic mercury retrograde thing like text from the exes you know but like seriously <laughs> whoa <laughs> just so there's a lot of like whoa who how am I the same per like who who was I with that person? Who am I now? How do I feel about this? Do I want to engage with this? Is this in affinity with me? Is it resonating with me to engage? You know? A lot of that. And like, whoa, a boundary around present time self. Like, what does present time self? want and need you know and like a, 
a saying that came forward in my mind over this time, which I've been sharing on Instagram, you've probably heard heard it from me, is um, if it's not resonant, it's not fucking resonant. <laughs> which I love because I'm always going to come up with excuses like, it's not resonating, but we really did have fun together. Or it's not resonating, but like maybe, maybe I could try that, you know? It's not resident, but oh, kind of would be fun though. <laughs> or just like, because I should, or that, that person won't, will be sad if I don't, or very relational, of course, Libra, all very relational stuff. It's interesting for me as someone who has a lot of patterning around like work, 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 thinking about work all the time to kind of be in a phase where that's always, that's kind of like on a side table, like looking beautiful and amazing and like running itself while I'm in all this like deep relational stuff. And I feel like I'm in super practice mode of what I teach, you know, like, oh, really? You're going to write about that in your workbook? So what happens when it comes to your door, you know? And just like really in the stuff that I, I'm empowered to teach and guide about like living it and like letting it sit in my body and run through me and, and also live through me in a different way than maybe I taught about it a year ago, you know, or wrote about it two years ago. So I'm, I'm trusting that like me being like living self, being self and not so much working self, even though of course I am working really hard and you know, my life's pretty chaotic because I just moved into this house finally and there's a lot of practical life stuff that's dragging me into um, the material world. Um, I'm also really into my being life and letting it mold me and letting it help me see what I want to shed next. Um, letting me like bump up into the edges of myself and feel totally triggered and then be with the trigger, walk with the trigger, love the trigger, listen to the triggers, let, let them teach me and like help me just kind of shed again and like molt myself out again. And it's just all of that is just like, um, you know, very plutonic stuff. Um, with all of the squares, the planets in Libra have been doing to Pluto. It's just been a very scorpionic, very plutonic time, which is of course why I'm super pumped to have this offering, which I've been planning on doing for two years. I, made a promise to myself that I would do it last spring. Um, and here we are like in a lot of Pluto work and this three week offering is starting on the 26th. So it's three weeks. So that makes four live meetups. So it's bookending. Um, and I'm team teaching it with, uh, some incredible, incredible guides. So why don't I just talk about that right now? Um, and then we'll get into the and we'll get into the conversation that I'm really excited to share with you as my gift to you at the front end of Scorpio season. One of the um, guides for this Pluto class that's about to open, it's open for registration, but I mean, we're about to begin. It's called Notes from the Underground, which is a riff on a Dostoevsky novella. Um, it's 
So it's, it's a reference. <laughs> Notes from the underground, cultivating intimacy with Pluto and Scorpio has um, me as sort of like the coordinating facilitator. Um, and I, I will be teaching um, and holding space. And I'm the one that's kind of like structuring the online space where we are housing the material. And then the first um, of the other co-leaders is my guest on the podcast today, and that's Mario Lo Rosario, who um, I've now known for two years. I get into how we met in the conversation, so I won't share here. Um, but Mariola is someone that I deeply, deeply, deeply respect, and. Um, I'm so excited to share her voice with the Moon to Moon community. She's actually already been on Moon to Moon. She was on the episode where I had a conversation with people who did charting your course last year. So you would have, if you listened to that episode, you've already heard her wonderful voice. Let me read Mariela's bio. Mariela Rosario, she, her, is an astrologer, professor, artist, and cultural producer from Boriken, the land currently known as Puerto Rico. Right now, she is living and experiencing our global collapse from the shores of Paris, France. Mariola loves collaborating with artists, intuitives, freaks, ghouls, old, new, and curious souls, students, teachers, organizers, activists, ancestors, flowers, plants, animals, candles, tarot, planets, and beyond. Mariola's artistic practice and academic research interests often revolve around cross-disciplinary aesthetic production from literary and contemporary visual culture to critical theory, mythology, photography, and autobiography, alternative pedagogy, and communal learning processes. Her current main artistic expression is the love language of astrology and the empowering conversations that arise from it. The deeper she dives into this contemplative practice, the more she begins to consider astrology as an artistic practice, a dialogue, a dance, a conversation between us here on planet Earth and the divine cosmos that houses all the delicious secrets of the universe. Mariola is a Scorpio sun, Scorpio rising, Capricorn moon, and proud alumni of the Pluto and Scorpio generation, aka millennials, aka Generation Hex. No stranger to the catabatic journey, Mariola was born with Pluto in the first house, a tender point that has always required very international nurturing kisses and sweet surrender. Pluto is currently still transiting her natal moon. <laughs> Her natal moon is at 24 Capricorn. We talk about that in the episode. So Mariola is my guest today, and as a super Scorpio, which we'll talk about in the conversation, it felt so appropriate to have her on as my next living the fuck out of your chart guest, and really combining the living the fuck out of your chart series with the seasonal episode that kicks off the season. So I'm experimenting with this format the other two guides for Notes from the Underground are um, Megan Fry and Luis Mojica. And so Mariola and I are going to be, what we're interested in, I don't really want to speak for Mariola, but I just, 
what what our approach to the topic of Pluto, our approach to the topic of Scorpio, our approach to the topic of Mars, traditional ruler of Scorpio, is going to be about attunement to this symbolic language and letting myth and storytelling and like approaching with language um, and like especially visual language and even visuals, letting that help the participants in the cohort attune in, like really drop in to the feeling sense of the material and how it wants to live in their bodies, in their lives. That's my approach to astrology. And um, I'm going to trust that it's somewhat in alignment or fully in alignment with Mariola, who has been my student and is, uh, like me, very interested in the power of symbolic language. Megan Fry is also my student. Megan um, is a lover of astrology and well, she's many things, wears many hats. Um, she's an independent writer. This is her bio and translator living in Mexico, an international, an eternal student of photography, astrology, music, and nature. She came into hypnotherapy during the year of her Gemini nodal return. Megan has been called a guide, someone who helps clients explore the deepest parts of themselves, places they may fear to tread on their own, and finding the jewels of transformation. Her eighth house Aquarius moon is like a streak of lightning across an endless void, lighting a torch and endowing her with the capacity to compassionately help her clients open the doors to their own self-healing and empowerment. With Pluto, Mercury, and her nodal axis in constant communication at the anoretic degrees of their respective signs, anoretic means last degree, she makes frequent spontaneous trips into the underworld and has learned to settle into the nutrient-rich places of the deepest parts of her psyche, all while mindful that these trips are seasonal, temporary, and hold endless value for her life up in the garden. She is mindful of all exit points from the underworld and helps her clients consciously navigate their subconscious for realignment and expansion. She is honored to guide clients through therapeutic hypnosis, which she believes to be one of the most rapidly transformational healing modalities available. Her greatest teachers are cycles, the subconscious mind, and those who fearlessly and compassionately dance with their lonesome shadow. Megan is the human behind healing wave hypnosis and is in open relationship with Pluto, with whom she continues to redefine healthy boundaries and update contracts. <laughs> Megan, I love these bios. So Megan is going to be guiding us in three separate um, hypnosis-based meditations over the course of the Pluto class so that we can really take ourselves um, into these places, um, into the underworld, and do some conscious, compassionate, caring navigation in those places so that we can come back up to the garden having, um, like, taking care of some things down there, you know, and really learn how to make more of a home in the underworld. So the, her three meditations, the first one's meeting Pluto, the second one is, uh, what's it called? 
I want to say it correctly. Um, uh, preparing your underworld palace. And the third one is feeding the alchemical fire. And that one's really about the ascent, right? The exits from the underworld and how to ascend with like that alchemical fire now lit, you know? So Megan's really bringing in this altered um, way of learning to the experience. And then my, my third co-teacher co is Luis Mojica, who I've had on Moon to Moon also. Um, Luis was on for the Earth Element episode I did last March. Many of you know, listening, that I love holistic life navigation, Luisa's podcast, Luisa's Instagram feed. I've done Luisa's Releasing Trauma six-week class. Um, I told Luis back in the spring, I'm going to do a Pluto class, and I want to talk about trauma, and I want to like tap into that aspect of Pluto because it's a really big part of Pluto. Um, and like, what could be cooler to have a teacher who helps people, who teaches a class called Releasing Trauma. <laughs> so let me read Luisa's bio. Luisa is a somatic therapist and nutritionist. He specializes in teaching people how to heal trauma through listening and relating to their bodies. He uses whole food, nutrition, self-inquiry, and somatic experiencing as tools to develop safety within the body. With over 15 years of experience, he has found that a deeper connection to the self and the world around us emerges from that state of safety. We learn how to stop avoiding our bodies and start relating to them. Luis shows up to this work from a deeply personal experience with suffering and healing that suffering. You can learn about Luis's personal journey with trauma in episode one of his podcast, holistic life navigation titled how my trauma became my teacher which is really what we're doing here um megan's also going to be leading meditations about how to befriend how to make your your underworld your teaching space how to make pluto your teacher not something that you're terrified of not something that you think of as evil in yourself you know and Mariola and I are going to be helping you attune to the language through astrology, through myth, through science even, thinking so that, again, we're like dropping into like, how can we be learning with Pluto? You know, learning, expanding, growing, feeling more empowered from this really massive, rich material I mean, Pluto's just endless. There's no way you can ever say it. We said this in the episode. There's no way you can know everything about Pluto. There's no way that you can like get to the end of this material. We're just bringing in a multidisciplinary approach that combines both intellectually exciting with um, embodied experiencing and self-inquiry and like hopefully lots of wonderful human connection to this like often scary kind of intense material you know bringing in a lot of laughter because that one of my favorite ways to um, transmute the plutonic is through laughing 
So without further ado, then I'm going to share with you my conversation with Super Scorpio Mariola Rosario. And then on the other side of that conversation, I will share what I would say are the highlights of Scorpio season for you to keep an eye out on. You might want to mark your calendar a little bit like I do. I'll talk about dates some. But um, so I'll see you on the other side of this conversation for more on Scorpio season 2021. Thank you so much. Welcome to Moon to Moon, Mariola. Thank you, Britain. It's so good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about living the fuck out of your chart. <laughs> the Scorpio edition of that. All right. So when I have been doing these, I feel like it's fun to begin with how um, you and I first connected as a way into your chart and yourself. Um, so if I remember correctly, we connected because two years ago, right around now, I did a Scorpio giveaway. Um, so I think I, I was offering like a 30 or a 60 minute reading on Scorpio and the chart. I think I gave the uh, I was doing back then these seasonal teachings yes. and I did, it was like Scorpio's teaching medicine of autumn Scorpio's teachings. And it was like a series of recordings on Scorpio and Pluto, Mars, the cards and the tarot associated with Scorpio. And then maybe like I sent an oil or like an essence. Is this correct? You did. Yeah. You sent me one of Karina's. Um, is it radical? I think radical acceptance. So good. Yes. Um, Karina Rosella. That is so great. Um, yes. And so I did had the giveaway and I had not enough people. I I don't know how people do giveaways when there's like (laughs) hundreds of signups, there must be some way to automate that. But for me, I just like wrote every name on a scrap of paper, put it in my little cauldron. And then my daughter, uh, I let her pull it out. So at the time, I had no idea what that Instagram handle meant to me. Uh, It was like total stranger. Um, But I trusted. And so we connected for that reading. And it just felt like a real connection of souls and two beings who like talking to each other. Um, do you, do you remember anything specific that came from that reading? I do. I remember. So I was in Dallas at the time and I was specifically like the way I landed in your Instagram was because I was looking for like people in Dallas. I was like, there's gotta be someone in Dallas that can be my friend. 
and that can talk about, you know, like what I want to talk about. And so I landed in your Instagram and of course, like very Scorpio, I was just like, I'm just going to watch what this person posts. I'm not going to like message them. I'm just going to like, see if I like the vibe. (laughs) And then I think shortly after that, you, you did the giveaway and I knew I was going to get it. I think I told you this before. Like I was like 100% sure I was going to get it because I needed it. I was like, seeking for it you know and so so it was quite magical I think this um connection yes yes Yes. and then I guess we were connected officially by that and um by the time I offered charting your course in the spring my um foundational astrology class you were a yes, um, yes for at least the first, like, the, the, it, you, <laughs> you told me that you weren't sure if you wanted to go all the way, but you, you signed up for like the first part and then just kept um, re-signing. Yeah, I was pretty sure because it was kind of like a long-term commitment that I wasn't sure I could go for at the time. But um, yeah, I remember thinking, well, I'll just do the first, like, I just want to know about my sun sign and my rising and maybe my moon, like, I don't know. And then, uh, of course, like I couldn't stop and I'm so glad I did. I I kept at it. Yes. I finished. Yes, you finished. And, uh, yeah, you are with us again because you love astrology so much and the place (laughs) talk to you. (laughs) Yeah. I love astrology so much. And also like these groups that you constellate, um, in my experience, are always really um, helpful to my learning process. Um, so I wanted more of that to people. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love having you in the spaces that I'm in. I I wonder then if you might share how astrology has anchored you, supported you, helped you understand who you are, the way you are. (laughs) You don't have to just talk about Scorpio. You can talk about other signs as well. But of course, I'm curious how, um, you know, looking at your chart, uh, you have for listeners, Mariola has Pluto, Sun, Saturn, the Ascendant, so Scorpio rising, Mercury, and the South Node all in Scorpio. So Mariola is a super Scorpio. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, I'm curious as you deepened into Scorpio, Scorpio's teachings, what Scorpio wants to teach you, Pluto wants to teach you, um, the modern ruler of Scorpio. How do you feel like this has helped you in present time, but also in contextualizing the past? I know that's a huge question. So we can just trust that whatever comes to mind is awesome. Yeah, that's a pretty big question. And yeah, let's do it. Okay, so I'll just say the first time I got my chart read, um, the first thing that the person told me was like, oh, you're very plutonic or Plutonian or whatever, like mm-hmm. Plutonica in Spanish. It was in Spanish. And like, I didn't know what that meant, but I could feel 
that it was like not like a super great thing. Like <laughs> she was telling me kind of in other words, like you're you're very like it's heavy. There's like a heaviness to this chart, the way that she had said it. And so, you know, initially I did that thing that I think most people do, which is like, oh, like here's my chart and here's like evidence that I'm just completely like fucked up. And like, I finally have a map that suggests that um, indeed my intuition has always been correct. Like I am damaged. I'm plutonian damaged goods, like whatever that means. And then, um, and so I didn't want that. I mean, I did, I don't, I didn't think I wanted to be plutonian. I never, I always had like a sense that I was into like, let's just say um, darker topics of the human experience, mysterious topics and things like that. I've always been like that since I was a little girl. Um, anything from like ghosts to um, just witches and so on. But um, slowly I started to see how the chart was just kind of like a map, like a a sweet map that I could consult um, whenever I was feeling lost. and. I just like very slowly, slowly, and some of these placements I'm still working through, but slowly started to see the the potential and the magic of this very powerful first house, for example, that's like at first glance is very crowded. It's like what's what's going on there? There's so there's too many planets, like you can barely see. Um, the glyphs <laughs> sometimes. Um, and I I definitely feel that in an embodied way too, like speaking of the first house being like maybe the body or like how other people um, catch your vibes. I do think <laughs> that there's an intensity there that I've always... Um, try to hide yeah um or control another like scorpionic plutonian word because i think like the information that i got from society was like that that's like it's too much mm-hmm. you have to like not necessarily hide it but you have to just like figure that out like people not everyone wants to Uh, deal with that level of depth and intensity and you know not everyone wants to talk about like death for for example which I was really into when I was a child um yeah I don't know is this answering your question in any way (laughs) yes yes it is I guess there's like a lot more. There's a lot more I could say. Like, for example, my my Capricorn moon was like a really surprising part of my chart. I knew I was very Scorpio. Like I've known I'm a Scorpio since I was a child. Um, And then when I was a teenager, I found out I had a Scorpio rising. But I didn't know about my moon until maybe 
I probably knew about it before I met you, but um, I would say I, I got deeper into it with you, my fellow Capricorn moon friend. Yes, yes. I attract many Capricorn moons. <laughs> We're all there's a lot doing it yeah. together. Support group. Yeah, there's a lot of us. And then, yeah, I found out after I started studying astrology, I, I, I did the chart for a lot of my friends and there's a lot of Scorpio, I mean, sorry, Capricorn moons out there. In your circles. In my circle. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And you also have Mars and Jupiter there. So um, yes. <laughs> I'm very Capricornian as well. I'm curious um, mm-hmm. if you feel like, because oh, technically those signs are in a helpful relationship with one another. Do you feel like your Capricorn self is supportive to your Scorpionic parts of self? Um, how do you think they get along? I think now that I am more aware of these placements and um, the archetypes that um, are adjacent to these placements, it's better. But I do think that I was, for a long time, my Capricorn self was unknown to me. And this is, I think, very true with like moon placements in general but perhaps like a Capricorn moon like when a Capricorn moon is checked out like it's really checked out like it has left the building Mm -hmm. and I think for a while there in my like young adult life I I was very much that person that was like really like out of tune with my emotional body and so like the the I guess unskillful parts of the Capricorn self took over and I think took over the um the gifts of like kind of like stood it on the way of the of the the scorpionic gifts that are evidently there you know the treasures yes yeah yeah, I think I feel like um, I have this sense too with my um, Pisces buildup, like, and how that interrelates with the, my Capricorn Moon. That like perhaps the the magnitude of the water um, can can feel so vast, like, or that I might drown in it, and so the mm-hmm. Capricorn Moon's like oh, we'll just shut it. We'll shut it off. We'll cut off contact. Um, and so then you're, then you're totally missing. You're totally missing out on a big part of your chart, you know? Yeah. And I think there's parts of Capricorn. I think a lot of what Capricorn has to offer is very much celebrated by contemporary culture. You yeah. know, like kind of shutting down the emotions for the sake of productivity. Um, you know, that's kind of climbing. Like you have to be a climber <laughs> in this society. And so to do that, you have to like shut down perhaps like any other like emotional shit that might get in the way of that. Um, so there might be some of that too. 
Yeah, I do connect it with in many ways with like overworking as trauma response. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, from like just not wanting to feel. And so just like, like dry out the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not yes. feel it uh, because it's too scary to go there. And so, yeah, it's like, it help, I feel like it helps both the Capricorn moon and the, all the other water placements to begin practicing feeling, right? Yes, I, I completely identify with that. And actually, I was going to say when I contacted you or when, when I connected with you, what was happening like in the astro context, I later learned this when I started to learn astrology and like track back what was happening but there was a lot of Capricorn you know there was like the Saturn uh Saturn was there at some point Jupiter was there too but first it was Saturn and Pluto right and the eclipses and the the eclipses (laughs) yeah let's not forget like the infamous eclipses in Capricorn Cancer um so yeah (laughs) just to like contextualize to that's interesting that I kind of dove deeper into or decided to to dive into astrology as a as a practice and a study when things were like particularly Capricornian in the mm-hmm. world. Yeah. yeah. I'm feeling like probably Neptune was trying your ascendant. And uh, maybe in that zone. And so maybe there was some kind of gift from Neptune, like to go a little more um, astral <laughs> to like <laughs> uh, lift out a little bit um, yeah. and look at from this kind of like higher love perspective. Um, but yeah, that, this is so interesting to think about Capricorn and Scorpio. Yeah. And, and how do you think... Um, Venus and Sag kind of like uh, shifts the story or like shakes up the energy a little bit. A lot. I'm very grateful for Venus and Sag, even though sometimes um, not that it's gotten me into trouble, like, but you know, it's a little bit like more of a wild card (laughs) than (laughs) the fixed energy of Scorpio and then like the rigidity of Capricorn. Um, I appreciate having Venus in what I I think is, um, or at least I perceive mostly as a fun, uh, more adventurous uh, placement. It's also, it's conjunct Uranus. So, you know, there's something there that's funky. And <laughs> I enjoy um eccentricity I suppose and um, diverging points of views I love disruption and I do like that in in my relationships too like my close relationships not necessarily disruptive relationships with like people that want to talk about those things Mm -hmm. little rebellion Um, yeah I love love Venus I just had my Venus return yesterday or day yesterday yeah it was not what I was expecting it was not fun (laughs) 
<laughs> was it Uranian? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it was like, whoo, like out of nowhere, you know, received some some news I wasn't expecting. Very Uranian, yeah. Incredible. Mm-hmm. But okay. you know, I'm here. <laughs> yes. Uh restabilizing, I hope. <laughs> Yes. yes. And yesterday was also moon Uranus and Mars Pluto um, square. So um, just lots in the air. Dusting. Pretty wild out there. It is. Today, yeah, today I was, I always like to read some, well, sometimes I like to read kind of like trashy, whatever magazines, just like they're astrological to see like what these magazines are writing in terms of astrology. I was curious to see what they would say about Scorpio season in like a more, um, just like not a profound way, just like pop culture. And whoever wrote the astrological thing, like they, the horoscope, they said um, after a lighthearted Libra season, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no. like whoever wrote this is so incorrect and like they just wrote this out of their ass it's completely false yeah there's so much evidence (laughs) to the contrary and yeah I was it made me laugh but also like this is just like irresponsible I know it makes you sad for all the people who (laughs) think there's something wrong with them that they didn't have a light Libra season (laughs) yeah like newsflash None of us did. <laughs> Not a single person. <laughs> oh my gosh. <sighs> this is very true. Yeah. Um, are you excited for Scorpio season? How are you feeling about its approach here? I am very excited for Scorpio season. I always love when Scorpio season comes around. My birthday is the 30th, so it's like pretty early in Scorpio season. And also to get back to Libra season, like, um, yeah, I feel like Libra season was very long. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it really has nothing to do with Libra people. Like, I don't, like, I love Libra people. Um, but the season itself was heavy. And as our friend Jonathan said the other day, like very scorpionic in a way, like, we're already kind of diving deep, I think, into some harder territory. So I'm excited to get some of the Scorpio medicine. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about how, first of all, Libra for you is 12th house. And Mm -hmm. I feel like 12th house, when the sun's moving through the 12th house and planets are moving through there, that can bring up some moving things around you know yeah Um, it was brutal (laughs) and then with the mercury retrograde and the the all those squares to pluto we're also squaring your moon because pluto is at your moon so um i imagine just libra made everything about what you're learning there super super activated um yes very activating like very plutonian stories i would say and um just hard to discern you know 12 house stuff like hard to grasp 
really what the lessons are or um, hard to articulate for sure. Um, and I'm hoping, and I think I'm already feeling like uh, Scorpio season is going to help a little bit with this um, kind of untangling of whatever the fuck Libra season was. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I would like to be re-empowered with yes. strong Mars in its own sign. So, yeah. And you know, sorry, I wanted to say that so, Mars moves into Scorpio on the day of my birthday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like, here's the sword. You've been Daddy. Daddy's home. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I imagine the entire because you have pluto at two and then you have planets or points all the way to the south node at 27 every single year the entire scorpio season is lit up like constantly basically for you is it did it feel like a rebirth every time it's not just a birthday it's also the, the you know it's like your ascendant rebirth as well yeah, I never, I never thought about that, but yes, yes, it's like a rebirth. Yeah, for sure, it's like a reconstituting of the self. Um, lots of shedding, lots of like composting. Um, yeah, yes, for sure. It's interesting to think of it as a like a full on <laughs> rebirth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, especially because, like you said, since you were little, you've been interested in death. You live next to a cemetery in Paris. (laughs) (laughs) Before we were recording, Mariela was saying her street is Rue de Vaupeau, which is the the street of rest. Um, I wonder, like, if it's, like, in that kind of soil, you know, when the, when it's Scorpio season, it's like the soil becomes the thing that it's going to become again after it's disintegrated, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like seed. It's like soil, compost, seed, plant, you know, all of it, um, like all part of the same story. And yeah, I love living next to a cemetery. I have to say it's weird for many, but not for me. (laughs) Do you feel the presence of what's down in there? Um, I do. And, you know, I actually take it pretty seriously. Um, It was a total coincidence that I ended up living here. I like this neighborhood, so I knew I wanted to live around here. But um, this just kind of happened. And when I moved here and I still do this, like I I go to the cemetery almost every day and I, um, I bring offerings to the people that are there that are, I, I don't know who they are, but I think of them, some of them must be my ancestors. There's a lot of like magical practitioners that are buried in this cemetery there's astrologers um there's witches there's lots of assholes too I'm sure but um I have a lot of reverence for 
for this place and the people that are there, my neighbors, um, there's some kind of understanding, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's important. It was important for me to like, um, as I was rooting into living in this new place, also like check in on, on that. And um, in a way, just like, I guess, ask for permission to be here. Mm. And also, I think, you know, I'm not from here. I'm in a foreign land. My ancestors are not here, really. But in a way, like me going to the cemetery and like having so much respect for it. It's like there's some roots there for me. There's some support, I think, I feel. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so do you feel that, like, do you feel witnessed in return? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> I feel like we're getting into something really special here and such sweetness in Scorpio that maybe is not always discussed. Mm. Um, I wonder like when you talk with someone or if you were to talk with someone who's very Scorpionic, I myself have a 14 year old with five planets in Scorpio. Yes. Sun, moon, Mars, Jupiter, and Mercury Mm. in a house. Um, Like what, what kinds of language or stories or what kinds of things do you say to someone who's like, why am I like this? <laughs> why am I so much? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think about this often, like what I guess I would have liked to hear when I was little um, dealing with, with all of that. And um I mean, I think part of it is really like leaning into it and not not shying away from it, like not hiding it, because actually like people do want to hear from you. People want to see you. People are very often like attracted to it, I think. Um, There's a magnetism there that is real. And possibly it's because, like, um, we don't see this, like, in everyday life. Like, we don't see, like, people that are um, willing to go, like, super deep and, like, feel all the feels. And so maybe there's something attractive there, something that other people want to tap into, you know, that you can help them with. Um, But the main thing I think would be like related to visibility and invisibility, uh, wanting to to hide because like there's always a fear that you're not going to be loved, you know, really like it, it comes down to that, really. That's like the core of it is like hiding because what you think that whatever it is that you are or whatever it is that you care for or that you have to offer 
is not valued and it's scary and um and so you retreat you know mm -hmm. and and retreating is fine you know i'm still an introvert like i, I value my um personal space my cave you know it's it's not about that but um i just think it's like a treasure for the world if you if you allow that to come through mm. yeah it but is. there's a there, it's a trust thing too you have you you mm. will find your people also yes and that like pain is also part of life um yeah absolutely uh yeah it's but you know it's one thing to say these things and like intellectualize them and another thing to to be in it and to be alone like I'm thinking specifically of like you were talking about your daughter I'm thinking about when I was younger like and a teenager like it's it's hard it's hard to to allow it to come out um, but this is this is a lesson for Scorpio I think um, like a lifelong lesson is to to trust that whatever is on the receiving end will not only like receive you, but like be delighted by you and um, receive uh, the magic that you have to offer, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and what I love about my Scorpio loved ones, and there have been many, 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 in my life. Um, I just love when truth is spoken, you know? Yes. I, I, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, say it. <laughs> Hit me. Hit me with it. <laughs> I, I love that. And I love doing that. Like, I don't think I feel more Scorpio than when I'm like, throwing out some like funny fire like some kind of like hidden thing that no one wants to say I used to do this when I was little you know and I got into trouble uh, <laughs> with my family <laughs> like, my daughter does <laughs> yeah and it could also like at the same time like it is disruptive and it has the potential to be um damaging yes painful <laughs> yes it's like learning to differentiate oh that wasn't funny that actually was harmful <laughs> yeah it's a weapon you know this is like you can't say that mars is not the ruler of scorpio in part, <laughs> at least in part because you know there's there's a sword yes yeah yes it's quite sharp <laughs> and it's sharp and sometimes like at least like speaking for myself, um, I have enjoyed hurting people in the past, mm -hmm. you know, just to see almost like, not like a psychotic thing, but just like, let me see, like, what would happen if I said this, you know, I'm not like proud of it, 
Yes. But I'm also not, you know, I'm, I'm good. I like, I can talk about it. I don't feel shame for it anymore. Um, yeah. Yeah. Imagine it's part of how to understand what, what your power is or like what you can do and then come to make choices about when and how to wield that. Um, but first you have to figure out what you can do, I suppose, you know? Yes. Yeah. There's kind of a testing of the waters, I guess. Um, and also maybe like testing of, of the people that love you and that you want to make sure that <laughs> um, can handle you, something like that, mm-hmm. um, which is actually like a very unfair you know, it's not, it's not a skillful thing to do, to be like testing your, your loved ones necessarily. But um, I think that this is something that Scorpios um, would have a tendency to do mm-hmm. from time to time. From time to time. <laughs> I know this. Uh, well. <laughs> yes. You um, have been so loving and wise with people in spaces that I've been in with you to help people sit with having a buildup of planets in any sign, um, the way you do in Scorpio. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you would share any thoughts you have on that for anyone listening, who's like, why did they all come together at my moment of birth? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like I'm still, I'm still dealing, like I'm still working through that, like almost, you know, not every time I look at my chart, but once in a while I look at my chart and I'm like, damn, like, why does it all have to be like in one side? Like I was looking at it the other way and literally like Pluto, because it's so slow, has been like moved through all the planets that I have, like pretty mm. much, you know, that's kind of, um, but anyway, that's besides the point. I was just thinking like, I've never not had like Pluto right transiting a planet like what's it gonna be like once it leaves my moon like am I gonna be a completely new like obviously I'm gonna be a new person because like Pluto transit you know like underworld journey duh, duh, duh. Uh, <laughs> but um yeah like back to the stellium I think there's there's always the way that I've been thinking about it is that there's always like an entry point, I think, to the stellium. Mm. There's always like, because what if you try to engage with all of it at the same time, it's it's too much. Especially, you know, I have like Pluto and Saturn there at the same time and the sun. It's a lot. Yes. Um, but then I think like one of the gifts that I have here is that I have Mercury sort of in between all of these points. And for me, Mercury has often served as like an entry point to literally like move around these planets and like help me Mm. discern what the fuck is going on. You know, this is a very like mercurial um, skill 
um, and it happens to be congenital descendants. So sometimes I, I think, you know, like what, what is it like to like become Mercury, you know, like become like this curious jumper from planet to planet. It's also in Scorpio. So there's like an incisiveness to it. There's like investigation that I want to do <laughs> into these planets. And so that's just like one one thing that I've been thinking about is just like find and you know this might change over time you know maybe like I'll embody something else but Mercury works I think really well for this um, practice you know it being uh, the communicator yeah like a negotiator yeah yeah, yes like this really thick marketplace of <laughs> action ceiling deals yes how do you see your interest in art in your chart mm. well I think one of the gifts of having a Scorpio rising is having Pisces in the fifth house mm, yeah mm. right <laughs> Pisces <laughs> I am very grateful for this. I don't have like, what do I have there? I have Palace, Athene, I love Palace. Uh, also, I'm very grateful for for the asteroids, I have to say. Like people that have a lot of uh, planets, like in, in one part of the chart, you know, there's there's asteroids that you can look at, there's like stars, there's there's other points that are that could be interesting and could help you kind of get out of the uh, like block that could yes. be a, a stellium. But yeah, so as far as art, I think the fifth house being in Pisces is, is a big thing. Um, I love like very Piscean people such as you and Jonathan. Like it's not, no wonder. Like I think for Scorpio, very Pisces people um, can be really disarming. And um, I guess I feel like the least judged by Piscean mm. people. Mm -hmm. um, and as far as art making, I do like, um, like Pisces has a lot of potential to go very deep you know just as Scorpio we often use the phrase for Scorpio but I think Pisces um like almost so much that it could get lost you know in like whatever <laughs> whatever waters it goes into and I I'm fascinated by that when it comes to art making like a kind of like dissolving of barriers and um, collaboration with the cosmos and and uh, plants and animals. I think when I talk about art, I I employ like Piscean language. Maybe. So fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
But then also Scorpio, like if you look at some of the photography I've done in the past and stuff, it is it is pretty Scorpio-ish in aesthetic. I'm interested in like unearthing things. Um, yeah, murky. Yes. Things. Yeah. And would you say that um, having the other water sign cancer in the ninth house relates to finding homes away from um, like the home where you grew up? Yes. Yeah. I remember you once gave me it, maybe the first or I don't know, one of our chart readings together, you mentioned that. And I was like, yes, like that totally resonates. Um, Cancer in the ninth house and then like opposite my moon and my Mars, the chart ruler. Um, it makes a lot of sense to, yeah, to be attracted to, to make a home elsewhere. Um, and, you know, not without its challenges. I have Persephone in the ninth house too, which is like, like um, it's an archetype that we, we talk about often, you know, you and I in, in, our, in our groups. And, uh, you know, there's something up there. The Persephone story is many things, but it is also a story about leaving home. Mm. Um, right. And like, mm. like there's a, there's a hard journey there for Persephone. And at the same time, there's, um, there's then Persephone, um, becoming the queen of the underworld right becoming like total badass (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) thank goodness (laughs) maybe again and again and again (laughs) yes (laughs) cyclically (laughs) but yeah cancer in the ninth is interesting yeah I I yeah I think a lot about the ninth house is because I've, I've moved a lot and I, um, I'm also like, I identify very much with the archetype of the seeker, you know, like whatever that is, um, like that exists in many, in many forms, I think, in, throughout my life. Um, but also like in books that I've liked and stories that I've liked, there's, there's a, like wanting to go somewhere else to like learn whatever it is that that place has yeah yeah because you could also think of the ninth house as academia and, yes and the persephone journey as like trying to detangle yourself from whatever is toxic in that system right mm-hmm. yeah yes that makes a lot of sense too i have i have a lot of stories around academia it's also something that we share. Um, and uh, yeah, I have a lot of critiques. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then all the third house planets, moon, Mars, Jupiter, just speaking to your like your teaching background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you're as a communicator. 
Yeah, which is interesting because I don't and I have never like thought of myself as mercurial. I've never thought of myself as a communicator. Like when I teach really to this day, like there's a there's a performative aspect to it that has to be there, like as a kind of form of protection. I mean, going back to like Scorpios like wanting to hide themselves, maybe this is like a manifestation of that right like having to to have like some kind of shield and and at the same time like you know I speak a few languages and like I teach for a living and so like yes like communication is part of my life despite the fact that I don't have any planets in air for example that was like another thing when I first saw my chart I was like no, I can't speak. Like, no air. <laughs> How can this be true? I remember this, I think. Yeah. Uh, how do you reconcile that now? Or, like, what's your story around that now? Well, the third house has a lot of goods for me. There, it's There's Capricorn there, but it is it is a, a communication house. And I... I mostly feel like pretty lucky with uh, third house themes uh, as far as like communicating through work or communicating through art um, and also my moon being there, even though it's in detriment, I think has had uh, a lot to offer me. I mean, I'm still, I'm still in it. The moon and its joy in the third house. Yeah, I think it's beautiful to think that the moon, like, despite, you know, being in Capricorn, it is in a a joyous, like, celebrated um, part of the chart. It's also, like, in the bottom of the chart, which is quite lovely. I think of it, like, kind of like a, a pearl or something like it's just like nicely tucked away (laughs) (laughs) I love it (laughs) and uh yeah air well I have really the only like major thing I have in air is Chiron um Gemini I mean no like small no small thing (laughs) it's funny that it's the only placement that I have in air at least that I am aware of. Um, And so really it's all about, I think, articulating um, pain points at this point for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is true, like since I've started um, studying astrology and working with you um, to bring it back to like your first question about how astrology has helped me contextualize and, my life story I I think this is this is a big one like the Chiron the Chiron story in Gemini kind of being like the gatekeeper to all the air in my chart wow Um, (laughs) yeah Mm. yeah there's there's a lot there for me and yeah whenever there's something going on with Chiron it's I feel it a lot. Yeah. And in my dreams a lot. Chiron in my dreams so much. <laughs> so much. Yeah. And Chiron's been so active 
Libra yes. season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We need a break. <laughs> oh, Chiron. <laughs> so, what I'm wondering then for our remaining time is if you could share what you're contributing to notes from the underground. Yes. So first of all, I'm so excited to to be a part of this. Um, Like I would have definitely just signed up as a student for this class. Like I need this class. You need this class. Like we all need this class. (laughs) Pluto needs this class, you know. Um, (laughs) So what am I talking? I'm going to talk about... um, just a bit about mythology. I love, I love using mythology to kind of get us there, like to the point, like the jewels. Um, and then I also want to talk about the underworld journey as um, a big part of what we could call the hero's journey that was, you know, first named by Joseph Campbell. Um, pretty much in like any story that you could think of where there's like the this archetype of the hero, the hero's journey, the hero that leaves home to, to find something or is taken from their home because they've been like chosen to do something and they want, can't quite understand what um, at some point there's some kind of underworld journey. And we could say like, the hero's journey is an underworld journey. Yeah. Or we could say that, which is, I think what I, what I'm getting to is it's part, like the underworld journey is a part of this kind of larger story for all of us, because, you know, we're all the hero. We're all the fool, essentially. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that. And of course, I want to talk about Scorpio and Pluto so much to say about Pluto and Mars because Mars deserves a spot in the love altar. You. We love you. <laughs> and if we don't put a spot for Mars in the oh. altar. <laughs> right? Right. You better like name and claim the sword before the sword comes for a name yeah. and claim you. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, especially like Mars now, just like about to come into Scorpio. Like, I think it's it's going to be pretty potent and and an ally. I'm super into thinking of yeah. Mars as an ally, as a friend, <laughs> even mm-hmm. though it's really hard sometimes. <laughs> this is all true. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah, part of why I wanted other people to join me in this is like I want to learn and not just be the only one talking, right? Like I can't wait to learn with what you what you offer. And you're you're offering a ritual too, right? Yes. So I'm gonna offer a ritual. I think it's the second or third week. Um, it's whenever we have the new moon in Scorpio. I'm going to offer a ritual for working with the new moon and Persephone is going to be involved and 
Yay. The fruit of the underworld is going to be involved. <laughs> and yeah, I'm I'm excited for that. We do. Well, yes. <laughs> Thank you. And then and then you'll be joining me to talk. Um, yes. About all this stuff and answer questions um, for one of the live meetups. Yes, I will be there, and I'm going to try to. I don't know that I can make it to all of them, but I'm going to try to go to the ones that I can go to because I am looking forward also to learning from you and from the students. And um, I'm excited to like untangle all this stuff with everyone else. Like there's, there's good medicine in like just the conversation, like whatever comes up for people and then just listening to that and feeling that in your body and um, just comparing notes, you know, from the underworld. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Look at that Mercury landing. Wow. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, you cannot know enough about Pluto or any of these no. themes. Well, anything in astrology. You That's true. Like, I don't need that because I know everything. Like, it's not a thing. Yeah, but Pluto is like I think especially like a bottomless pit. <laughs> yes, there's so many dark corners that one has not explored yet. Even mm-hmm. if you are very Scorpionic and you love hanging out down there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, thank you, Mariola, for being you. Thank you for sharing yourself on Moon to Moon. Thank you you. for speaking with me. Um, It's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me and for being my teacher and for bringing me into your classes. I'm I'm excited to continue our collaboration this life. Yes. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mariola, wonderful Mariola. I hope that if the Pluto class is calling to you, you will enroll. Enrollment officially ends Sunday night, the 24th. Yeah, the 24th. We begin on the 26th. Of course, I'll still let people in on Monday and Tuesday, but um, go ahead and jump in because then you can get the pre-course material and like feel like you've landed, you know, like get all the stuff. Like we have all these suggestions for if you want to set up an altar, we, we may give a lot of suggestions for like reading lists if you want to get anything to be reading at bedside along with us. There's a Scorpio playlist. There's, there's lots of fun stuff in the pre-course module that will help you feel like when we get to the first class on Tuesday, the first meetup, that you're down, like you're ready for this. Um, 
All of the live meetups will be recorded and shared in the course page. So if that time doesn't work for you, don't let that be something that holds you back. If you care a lot about this material, you can always just send me questions to address in the live meetups if you're not able to come to the sessions. So you can register through the links that I'll put in the show notes. Just go to my website. It says Pluto class. You can get do everything that you need to do through my website. I hope you will join us. So let's talk a little bit about Scorpio 2021. Mariola and I hint at things. We laugh at things. <laughs> Let me just give you some kind of like official outlook here. So when we begin Scorpio season, which is actually tonight from recording this, I'm recording this on the 22nd. Um, the sun then will move into Scorpio and will officially be in Scorpio season then. And then on October 30th, Mars will move into Scorpio. This is a big deal because Mars is the traditional ruler of Scorpio. Um, we associate Scorpio with Pluto in modern astrology, but Mars is deeply related to Scorpio, which is something that Mariola and I discuss in that conversation and that we'll definitely be discussing in the class. It's like to understand Scorpio, we really have to bring in a lot of Mars um, because it's a very powerful part of what Scorpio is, is the Mars rulership. So Mars then will be moving through Scorpio, all of Scor- most of Scorpio season then, and this is its home sign. It's its domicile, we say. And so Mars then is like it knows its way around Scorpio. It knows how to be Mars in Scorpio. It wants to be Mars in Scorpio, you know? This is like a very uh, penetrating energy, probing, researching, investigating, peeling back layers. If we think about Mars ruling pointed objects, you know, it's like the scalpel, you know? Like what's in there? And so where we've had now Mars and Libra opposite its other home sign of Aries. So in Mars and Libra is a little bit sort of like, how do I behave here? You know, and it's been behind the sun's beams, we say. So like um, kind of muted energy, like not quite sure how to be um, because the sun is like, uh, such a bright light with Mars so close to it that Mars doesn't really have its own light. But as the sun continues to pull away from Mars and move faster than Mars through Scorpio, so Mars will begin to have like its own space again, you know, and just start to be like, yeah, I know what to do here. I know how to be here. <laughs> so I am excited. I'm curious. Like I'm totally going to have my field research journal out, noting like how this Mars and Scorpio shifts the story. What I'm really wanting is for Mars and Scorpio to feel very empowering and directed. Um, just like 
give me some directed energy, please. You know, I have not been able to feel super directed the last month. I've felt scattered. Many people in my community are also reporting just like they're kind of all over the place. They're kind of like laughing at themselves. Like I'm not my normal self, you know, Mars is our energy. And so I'm hoping Mars will kind of just like center the pointed direction and the focus and it will be like, ah, I know where I'm, I know what I'm doing and where my energy is going. Um, so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see how that feels. Look to the house where you have Scorpio. On November 2nd, uh, we have an important note, note, which is that Mercury will be leaving its shadow. Finally, the, there's the shadow pre-retrograde and there's the shadow post-retrograde, which is when Mercury is going back over the degrees now in a forward direction that it was going, quote unquote, backwards during the retrograde. So it will reach that final degree, 24 degrees of Libra on November 2nd. And when it does, it will make its third square to Pluto. You may remember me talking about how when Mercury stationed retrograde, basically because it was so slow and because Pluto also was stationing direct so it was very slow the two of them were in a square for like two weeks in the middle of libra season this is why it was such a plutonic libra such a scorpionic libra it's just so much pluto and so now um mercury and libra will do a final square then to pluto and the final one often feels like a resolution of the story um, so whatever was going on in the middle of Libra season, um, then you might notice that like some kind of jewels come to you or some kind of peace comes to you around those stories. Think, think around the week before and the week after Mercury stationed retrograde, which I'm now blanking on in terms of dates and I didn't write down. But I think we all know that I can find that information. Uh, September 26th and 27th period. So week before and week after that. So last week, September, first week, October. Look for November 2nd to bring some kind of new piece of that story, hopefully closure. And then we move, we move out there. We move beyond that Pluto square zone, and that's going to be calm for a while. Um, November 4th, we have our new moon in Scorpio. And this new moon, sun and moon coming together, is really notable to me because it's exactly opposite Uranus and Taurus. It's at 12 degrees of Scorpio, and Uranus will be at 12 degrees of Taurus. Um... Yeah, that seems um, important. Um, I'm imagining, like with with Uranus, we, you can only expect the unexpected. Like there is no way to predict things with Uranus besides the unpredictable, the sudden. Um, they're just like, wasn't expecting that turn (laughs) okay (laughs) 
now what do I do? You know, and it's just like a bolt that just jumps in and the story has changed. Um, so with that being at a new moon, you know, where, um, normally we're kind of internal, it's quite more quiet in our lives at the new moon. It's kind of a time to be with yourself, you know, and like really listen in the dark. Um, I'm wondering if it's in those internal places that we may experience a kind of like rapid opportunity for growth um, that comes quickly. The velocity is an important aspect of Uranus. But I don't know, perhaps... Um, because it's in Taurus, which is really about garden and Scorpio is about underworld. Perhaps the shakeup happens externally, but the invitation is to go internal and to listen to how to respond. And so perhaps new moon intentions or new moon, you know, rituals can be focused around like really holding your nervous system and holding yourself through whatever is kind of like shaking things up at that time. Because that's, to me, the, what we do with ourselves with Uranian things is we take care of our nervous system. The next day, November 5th, Venus moves into Capricorn from Sag. This is important because Venus is going to have retrograde in Capricorn. So... The last time Venus was retrograde was Gemini of 2020. This was a rollicking, rollicking time in our world. Something like a story began for us around June 5th, June 4th, June 5th. And we've been following the story about what we want, especially related to Gemini themes and related to where we have Gemini in our chart this whole time. And so Venus will move into Capricorn where Venus will go retrograde and go over all of those sensitive, sensitive degrees of 2020, not to mention 2018 and 2019 too, when we had eclipses in Capricorn and Cancer. And uh, yeah, Capricorn's just still like a sensitive place right now. It still has Pluto there. And so Venus will enter Capricorn on um, December 19th, station retrograde at 26 Capricorn, right with Pluto, and then go backwards, quote unquote, till January 29th and station direct at 11. And so Venus will be entering Capricorn, but not hitting the shadow of that retrograde until um, the very end of Scorpio season when we get to November 18th. So... I'll talk more about the Venus retrograde next month when we are looking at um, like really being moving, really moving across that shadow. But it's definitely something to mention here that like the fifth is when Venus moves into Capricorn, bringing like blessings to the house where you have Capricorn. But starting the 18th, we need to be paying attention. This is what I do in my personal work paying attention to the messages that start showing up around then because those are going to be the clues about what we're going to be learning through this whole retrograde series and really on into the next whole Venus cycle. 
And we're also going to be wrapping up the old one. On November 13, we have Mercury opposite Uranus. That could be a day of like sudden realizations, sudden conversations. Whoa, some shakeups in the news perhaps. Um, Communication you weren't expecting. November 17th, then Mars will be opposite Uranus. Um, Mars and Uranus is a very volatile energy combo because Mars also has a fast velocity and Mars also likes to show up with surprises. So um, that could also be a very volatile little window of time. Um, November 17th, November 18th, Venus entering shadow. And then November 19th, we have the full moon in um, Taurus, which will be an eclipse. Yay. (laughs) So this is our first Scorpio Taurus eclipse. This is going to be the key eclipse astrology of 2022. So we have our first eclipse. The next eclipse that will follow that will still be um, a, a Sagittarius Gemini eclipse, like finishing that one up. But so Scorpio season is also going to be containing eclipses, um, claiming, uh, having eclipse energy. Again, this is like churning. This is an invitation. This is like a growth edge time. And so I'm hoping that landing into notes from the underground will be really, really supportive people through this, all this Uranian energy through the Pluto Mercury final square. And then here through this um, first eclipse of, of Taurus Scorpio that will initiate us into Taurus Scorpio eclipses, which, as I said, will really be intense next year. So, um, yeah, that full moon eclipse looks pretty interesting because um, the nodes will be just about to move into Scorpio and Taurus. They won't quite be there yet. They'll still be Gemini Sag, but... Mars will be just past its opposition to Uranus, which would have happened the day before, no, two days before the full moon. Mars and Uranus are opposite each other, Scorpio Taurus. So at the the ruler of the sun at the full moon eclipse is Mars, and Mars will still be kind of like recovering from the opposition to uh, Uranus and Taurus. And then the ruler of the moon the full moon in Taurus, what rules Taurus? Venus, the ruler of the, f- the moon will be Venus. And Venus on the day of the full moon eclipse will be trining Uranus, which is a helpful line. Trining Uranus from Capricorn. And so there's this, again, very Uranian energy. It's eclipse energy. All of that is sort of like expect the unexpected. So to conclude, <laughs> whereas Libra season was super chironic and super plutonic, Scorpio season is inherently plutonic and it will have that final square with Mercury. Pluto will have that final square with Mercury. But Scorpio season is also going to be very Uranian, which means to expect the unexpected. I'm born Uranus in Scorpio. I'm coming up on my Uranus opposition, which is kind of like a... It's a huge window of people's lives. Um, it's sort of the last of the midlife crisis astrology pieces. There's the Pluto square, the Neptune square, and the Uranus opposition. I've already had the first two. 
those were pretty shifting in my life. So um, I'm feeling like this super Uranian energy from Taurus that's going to be coming to Scorpio will really be like, I just wonder what it will do to all the Scorpionic and Plutonic events and feelings and happenings that came through over Libra season. And with it being Uranus, as I said, it's really hard to predict. It's just really about like, what is your plan for self-care? You know, like, because even if it's exciting, even if it's exhilarating Uranus, because Uranus can totally be that, exciting and exhilarating things for me, like also require me to get more sleep and to like do just even more self-care because my body just gets all fired up and activated, you know? And then I feel ungrounded. So that's to me like a self-care thing to do over the course of Scorpio season is to like identify those habits, those practices, those human beings, um, those material objects, those teachers, the music, all the things, the, the classes that anchor you, that help you feel grounded, that help you feel safe inside of your body, that help you feel on the ground and inside of your own body temple, your home temple, so that you can look around and know that you are safe and you're okay, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. One last plug for Norts from the Underground because there won't be another podcast episode before that opens and closes. And um, really excited to begin that. I'm feeling super inspired. Thanks again to Mariola for the conversation that I shared today and for joining me on that journey with the class, as well as thanks to Megan Fry and Luis Mujica for also joining me in Notes from the Underground, Cultivating Intimacy with Pluto and Scorpio. Hope to see you there and cheers.